Thank you for listening to the Shanghai Community Fellowship Podcast. To find out more about the SCF community, listen to sermons, and upcoming events, visit us at shanghaifellowship.org. All right, well, welcome to the start of a new series uh, we mentioned at the top of the uh, webcast today uh, on marriage. Uh, for those, a series for those who desire to be married and for those who are already married. And uh, as I said at the top of the webcast here, um, we are going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 primarily. Uh, and there's, so, of course, there's a lot that we can say about marriage. These are just three sessions, three messages, three sermons uh, in the series. Uh, and we're going to just kind of focus on the contribution that the Holy Spirit is making to how married people uh, live together as one um, uh, and what Ephesians 5 has to say about that. All right, so let me begin uh, the series by telling a story from uh, my, my life, Becky and I together, my wife Becky. Uh, years ago, uh, we had the privilege to, uh, we got invited over to watch a basketball game um, at the home of a, a friend and also uh, invited that night was uh, a man that was a mentor to us. He'd been a pastor for many years uh, and, a, and uh, was a psychologist and a counselor. And we knew him. I had gone through his program uh, as part of my graduate training. So I, I you know, I knew him in, in actually several different contexts. Uh, so um, and it was really uh, uh, just a delight to be able to spend such a casual evening with him. And and it was it was just nice to hang out with him. Uh, and he was a mentor to me and someone I looked up to. But anyways, as Becky and I were leaving that night, uh, it turned out to be it was just uh, uh, him, uh, our, our, our hosts, our friends, and then Becky and I, just, just five of us. And as we were leaving that night, he, you know, we said goodbye to him. And, um, and he looked at Becky and I and he looked right at us and said, you know, he said, take care of each other. He said, take care of each other. And I never forgot that because it, it to me was, and it stayed with me as kind of a anchor to what what this married life looks like. Um, you know, take care of each other, and you can, uh, of course, extend that to parents and children, uh, good friends who take care of each other, uh, members of the same church community. You know taking care of each other, you know, and, 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 and of course you can extend that beyond just the marriage relationship, but there is something uh, unique about the marriage bond and covenant where these two people are going to take care of each other. And it was a good, uh, a good reminder. And it was also, a, 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 you know, kind of a definer of what happens in the, in marriage. We're, here's two people who have committed in a covenant to, to take to keep to keep to take care of each other. Now, um, I think another way to understand, you know, take care of each other is something Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-one, when he writes there, "Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It it it's a way that Paul. Uh, in one short phrase, kind of like take care of each other, in one short phrase describes how uh, people in the same church community, in the same in the body of Christ, how they are uh, how, how they are to relate to each other. So, how are we to relate to each other in 
community group. How are we to relate to each other in, in, at Shanghai Community Fellowship, our church? We are to relate to each other by submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. But Paul is going to use that statement and that guideline or, or direction even for not just how members of the same community group would relate to each other, but he's also going to say this very same concept and direction, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, is how husbands and wives will, re will relate to each other, uh, how parents and children uh, will relate to each other, how slaves and uh, household managers will relate to each other, uh, uh, very much uh, unique to that particular culture and time, uh, that particular relationship. Um, but he, he's going to say that within the house, how do people in the house relate to each other? Well, they relate to each other in this way, by submitting to each other out of reverence for, for Christ. In other words, to be even more specific, uh, there's a guideline and direction for marriage coming from these words. Husbands should submit to their wives and wives should submit to their husbands, all right? We should, they, they should submit to each other. Now, I know that Ephesians 5 uh, is a very familiar passage, and if you uh, have some Christianity in your background, you've been in a church for a while, or maybe particularly a long time, you've probably heard a teaching, you may have heard a teaching from Ephesians chapter 5, where the emphasis was on, you know, wives submit to your husbands, right? Uh, and it actually says that in verse number 22. Uh, so for good reason. But the emphasis sometimes from this portion of the Bible, of the scripture, Ephesians 5, the emphasis is on the wife submitting to the husband, or often the emphasis is going to be on the roles of husband and wife, who has authority to lead and who is supposed to be doing the following, right? One of them is leading and always leads, and one of them follows and always follows. And that may be what is familiar to you. What I'm gonna to say today then is going to sound unfamiliar, possibly. Or you know what, if you've never read Ephesians 5 before, this is like all brand new to you. Like, I don't know, Pastor Dale, I, 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 you know what, I've, I've never read Ephesians 5 verses 21 to 33 until right now, until today. So this is all new for you. Uh, but what I'm asking you to do is to suspend judgment, if you would, until we're done uh, today and even for the whole series. And then really spend some time in the Bible. Spend some time in and with these particular verses, Ephesians 5, verses 21 to 33. And, and just let them speak to you and let the Holy Spirit speak to you out of these verses. But to let you know where I'm coming from, especially if you've maybe received teaching from these verses in the past, is that... What I'm going to say is that Ephesians 5.21, uh, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ, um, husbands submit to wives out of reverence for Christ, wives submit to husbands out of reverence for Christ, uh, and that's what to each other means, that, that that admonition, exhortation, actually flavors everything else that's going to be said in these verses. Right, so that's where, I, that's where I start. That's, that's my starting point. And, and, I, and I make a big deal out of that because you, have made her, you may have heard something different. This may be new to you. And uh, I, I hope and pray that we'll just be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to say through his word to us today and over the course of this series. Now, in a, in a survey 
by uh, licensed professional counselor, Deb Faleda. Uh, she surveyed over 1,000 married people. And uh, it got a lot of great responses out of that survey. But one of the things that she discovered in that survey is that 96% of those who responded, again, 1,000 responses, 1,000 married people, um, responded with this statement. Uh, and, and, and another, uh, I think the way it came out was 96% of those who were surveyed uh, put agreed to this statement. The average person does not understand the cost of marriage going into it. 96% of the well, over 1,000 people surveyed said, married people surveyed said, the average person does not understand the cost of marriage going into it. Uh, uh, often, often, and this is again, this is, a, uh, this is a general statement, but often we are, we are willing to accept that marriage is going to be hard. You know, we, we we're, you know, uh, going into marriage, I would say that most people, and I've, I've been doing pre-marriage counseling now for 35 years, and I've talked to literally hundreds of, of couples, uh, men and women, uh, from multiple cultures and countries now. And, and I would say, in my, just my own personal experience, that most of the people, then we sit down to talk uh, about uh, not just the wedding, but the marriage, um, that they're anticipating, that, well, you know what, this is going to be challenging. This is not, this is not going to be a, you know, a, a, it's rewarding, it's exciting, not to scare anybody out of, out of getting married, but, but it, there's a challenge to it, there's an effort behind it, uh, as, there's a dedication that's being called forth. Most people get that, right? Uh, I would say most people are, 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 are gonna get that. They're not Pollyanna, head in the clouds, oh, I think it's all gonna be wonderful, I don't wanna do anything, you know, just, or they get that. But along with that, while they may be willing to accept that marriage is going to take some effort, maybe a lot of effort, to have a good marriage and have a, a healthy, vibrant marriage. Um, what they don't know, almost all of them don't know, if it's going to be hard, what, what do I need to do about that? You know, if it's going to be hard, in what way is it going to be hard? <laughs> in what way is this going to be challenging? That's what they don't know. And that's the big question, right? How 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 is marriage going to be hard? In what way is marriage challenging? Is it going to stretch me? Uh, what do you mean? You know, and 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 what do I do when those hardships come? It's kind of like it's kind of like being told you're, there's going to be a test, but you don't know what the, you don't know what you're being tested on. You know, and you're thinking, okay, oh, I know, okay, I get it. I'm going to be tested, but like, what am I going to be tested on? Kind of back when you were in high school, you know, that strange, awkward. Uh, unwanted dream you had regularly, like you showed up for class and there was a test and you didn't know about it. And like, oh, I didn't know, I wasn't prepared. So there's that big question, how do I prepare for marriage? How do I, if it's gonna be difficult and challenging, but rewarding at the same time, you know, what I put into it, I get out of it, that whole concept, how do I prepare and, and, and what do I, how am I equipped? Many times people uh, do not realize they are not equipped. Um, and what we do, is we go into marriage assuming that two good people who are Christians particularly with, with good hearts and good intentions are just gonna be able to get everything worked out. You know, I don't know the details. I don't even wanna know the details. I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't imagine the scenarios that would be that challenging, but I'm sure my spouse and I, we love each other. Uh, love wins at the end of the day. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, we we both really want it to work out, and, and I'm sure everything's just going to be fine. 
Uh, and that's generally where most people are, are starting from. In short, this series is going to take a little deeper look at some of the keys for having uh, just a successful, uh, rewarding marriage and really how to work at having a good marriage. And that's what this series is going to be about. Now, next week, just to give you a heads up, uh, uh, an advanced organizer, as my friend used to call it. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the, the uh, biblical uh, direct guiding of leaving and cleaving, You're right? Uh, that's from Genesis chapter 2, and it's repeated again in Ephesians chapter 5, how marriage is, involves two people who have left their homes and do other kinds of leaving, as we see, we'll see as well, in order to cleave or bond to each other. Uh, significant key to, 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 to taking on and having a good marriage. And then the last bit, and like I said, it's a short series, just three. Um, Ruth is gonna be with us and Ruth the Potter, and she's gonna be taking a deeper look at Ephesians 5.33, which is the last verse in this section, which kind of summarizes in, in many ways, everything has been said all the way back to verse number 21, where, where the key concepts there are going to be love and respect. In, in any marriage, love and respect. And she's going to uh, take some time with us to unpack those two words. Back to Deb Falada. Uh, Deb Falada said this about marriage. A good marriage comes from a series of decisions over an extended period of time with the commitment of two people choosing to love each other no matter what may come their way. All right, definitely on a good marriage. Uh, and, and even good marriages, just so we get it really clear up front, you know, even good marriages will face struggles. You think of the couples that you know and you admire their marriages, maybe uh, someone a little bit older than you, uh, someone who's been married a long time, uh, and, and at least from what you can see and know of them, they seem to have a good marriage and they uh, relate well to each other and there's love there. You know. Even the best of marriages uh, have times where there is struggle. And even the best of marriages are pressed on and, um, and pushed on and, and stretched, right? Um, uh, the best of marriages and good ones are going to face struggle. They're going to face sin. Um, and they're going to face selfishness, quite frankly, uh, from both partners. In the best of marriages, there's going to be anger. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain. And there's going to be disappointment because... It always is two imperfect people marrying each other. And we bring our imperfections into that marriage. We can do all that we can to be the best that we can be, but we're gonna bring all of our imperfections. That's the only person you can be, and the only person, marriage partner I can be is an imperfect one. And we bring that imperfection into our marriage. And so there's always gonna be these struggles. Um, and submitting to one another is going to be a key to dealing with the sin and the struggles and the selfishness and the anger and the disappointments that are sure to come in any given marriage, right? Uh, and by the way, uh, sin and selfishness and anger and disappointment are coming whether you're single or married. It doesn't really matter. Those things are coming. And uh, But in marriage, this idea of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is going to be a key to getting through those those really really difficult times. So let's let's talk about submitting to one another for a, a minute because you know um, I don't know about about you or uh, where you're from or where you're coming from. Uh, you know, of course, I, I this is I, I'm speaking English right now. I'm a native English speaker, uh, and when I hear the English word submit. 
Uh, I got to say that as a native English speaker who's been uh, lived my life at the end of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century, I have to say when I hear the word submit, uh, it, it really has a negative impact. I mean, it's just like, it just, I, I think of being forced. I think of being, you know, like one of these by someone's twisting my arm and making me do something I don't want to do. Uh, you know, having my will and freedom taken away from me. I mean, it just, it just, just does not feel good. Just the word submit, just like, oh, you know, can't we find another word here? You know, and and uh, so I got I got right up front say that that there, at least for me, uh, there's this negative connotation to the word submit. Now I I've talked to enough people over these years that I know that I'm not alone. It's, it's not just me. Uh, so when we read in the Bible that we are to submit to one another, that husbands are supposed to submit to their wives and wives are supposed to submit to their husbands, uh, you know, it, it, it's just kind of like maybe some defensiveness can come up, some walls can come up and like, oh, I don't know about that. And what do you mean by that? And, uh, and, and we're just being honest and we're being open that this doesn't always hit us real well. Now, I think what we're going to discover, however, is that from a biblical perspective, and we're going to, that's what we're going to unpack here, uh, that, that submit, uh, and I, this may be a little uh, uh, new for you, uh, submit does not mean obey. Submit does not mean obey. It doesn't have to mean obey. Uh, that the idea of submitting or the act of submission uh, to another person, while it may not be easy, uh, and, and it rarely is, um, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing or that I'm doing something against my will. I'm being forced to do something, uh, you know, I mean, physically or emotionally uh, manipulated into doing something I don't really want to do. Um, submission does not have to be a bad thing and it doesn't have to be wrong. All right. Submission can be a very good part of life. Um, and, and, and especially, and here's what, here's what the Bible is telling us, especially when we submit to one another as husbands and wives, both of us submitting to each other. Um, as I said earlier, for some, we read this part of the Bible and we focus on uh, the roles of leadership, who's leading and who's following, who's the head and who is not. But I, I, I believe that, that the guiding principle that flavors everything. Now, there are roles, no doubt about it. And I, I, have to, and, and I think, as Paul is writing this, that, that, he's, that he, he's clearly nuancing that the husband is, has a leadership role in the home. Um, but the idea of both husband and wife submitting to each other is guiding everything that is being said here. So let me just say this in a way that might just get your attention. So if submission does mean to obey, if it did, then it would mean husbands must obey their wives and wives must obey their husbands because husbands and wives are going to submit to each other. All right, here we go. I said it might get a little a little rough and a little disturbing, but, but, but here we are. So, all right, so what does it actually mean to submit? All right, um, submission has to do primarily with, with looking out for the interests of the other. Submission primarily has to do with looking out for the interests of the other. And when we say looking out for, it means 
influenced by, shaped by, altering my course of direction, influencing my choices and my decisions because of the interests of the other, all right? Uh, uh, and, and, and here, there's no better uh, example of this than Jesus. Right, if you go to Philippians chapter two, uh, you discover that what Jesus has done for us is that he has humbled himself. In other words, he has submitted himself and taken into consideration the interests of the others. And in this case, Philippians chapter two, the other is me and you, sinful humanity. Jesus was not sinful. Jesus did not need to be punished for his sins. Jesus not, did not lead, need to live out the consequences, which is death for sin or the sins of the world. He was sinless. And yet he submitted himself to the Father and to the interests and the needs of you and I out of love and serving, him, serving us, he offered himself by taking on humanity. And Jesus becomes a very high standard, if not the perfect standard, of what it means for you or I to submit to one another, and particularly as husbands and wives to submit to each other. Now, you know, the thing is, like, I've been married for 41 years, and I've, I've known lots of married couples who've been married uh, as long as Becky and I have, and others who've been married for five years and 10 years, and you know, different seasons and different, you know, things and challenges. I know that boots on the ground, uh, you know, in real life, uh, this is not easy. And this isn't easy to submit to your spouse. It's not easy to consider uh, the needs and interests of another, uh, uh, and, and including our spouse. Of course, you know, there's, a, there's a, a natural, innate, fleshly desire to be just selfish, you know, and, and make it about me. And, and, and putting the needs of others ahead of my own is just uh, often not the most natural thing. Uh, but, and especially in marriage where that is happening on almost at times on a 24-7 basis, where the outcomes and the consequences are going to be significant. You know, I remember talking to a, a young couple. They were married just a few weeks, and and uh, the husband said to me, you know, you know, Pastor Dale. He said, you know, you know, before when when uh, uh, when my wife and I, he called her by name. He said, you know, we would have an argument when we were dating. You know, we were really mad at each other. We just wouldn't see each other for three or four days. He said, but you know, one of the first things I noticed about being married is that you know we get we still get really mad at each other and often about the same issues, but you know, we don't separate for three or four days. You know, we sleep in the same bed together and we get up in the morning and we're still mad at each other. And, 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 and that immediacy and that consequence of being united with this other person is very, very real. And this is what we have to deal with. And we're gonna talk about dealing with that in, in just a moment. It's no coincidence that Paul would say earlier and uh, uh, up, up in chapter five before he says, um, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that all of this is being shaped by and led by the Spirit. So that to be a husband and to be a wife and to submit to my partner, my spouse, uh, out of reverence for Christ uh, is something that really must be led by the Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength that we need. It's looking out for one another. It's considering the other. As one person said, many years ago, you know, sometimes, sometimes we get so wrapped up in ourselves, uh, especially um, 
in, in a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife that, you know, maybe the thing to do is just stop and ask yourself if you're, if you're as the husband, what it would have been like to be a little girl and to be raised as a little girl to basically take, take the effort, make the effort to think about what it's like to be a, a, a little girl or, or as a wife to think about what it would have been like to be raised as a boy, to be treated. Uh, how, how, and, you know, you start to think about it and reflect on it. You realize that your spouse, your husband, your wife was not raised the way you were raised. Uh, did, did had a very, very different experience all the way from childhood, all the way from birth until the day that you said, I do. And this is who you're married to, someone who is other than you. And understanding them and their interests goes a long way to submitting to each other. Uh, submission would also mean um, that, that we are listening to our spouse and seeking to serve our spouse. Some of you know about the five love languages. Gary Chapman, y'all look that up. And about five ways that we receive love. Um, and there's many ways that we can do that. All, uh, he says there are five of them. It's a marriage where both partners are going above and beyond to serve each other in love. And again, Jesus is the perfect example. Submission, Paul says it, by the way, if you want to be, be very, very, very clear. By verse number 33, he defines submission. It's love and respect. And like I said, Ruth is going to, I won't say too much more than that, because Ruth is going to unpack love and respect uh, in a couple of weeks on the third and final message of this series. But submission means respect. Submission means respect. And we'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. Uh, and of course, he says, out of reverence for Christ. Maybe there's the assumption that if you are a person who knows what it's like to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you would know something about submission, especially when you are being called on to submit to your partner, to your spouse. I already know something about submission because I am submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see there the importance of, of, of being in a marriage bond or covenant of marriage with someone who is also a Christian someone who is also a Christ follower. This is one reason, there's more than one, but this is one reason because you are now united with someone who, who you want to submit to and, and, and who you want to see submitted to you out of reverence for Christ, who himself or herself is already submitting their lives to Jesus. I know something about submission because I'm already submitted to Jesus. It's a little easier than to be submitted, a little easier to be submitted uh, to, to, each, to each other. Uh, now, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a phrase uh, that's called, uh, that goes like this, uh, the devil is in the details. You know, <laughs> the devil is in the details. What that means is that, that on the surface, things can look really great and look actually relatively easy. All right. But when you get down into the details of how we're actually going to do this, um, you realize, oh, it's not as easy uh, uh, as it appeared, you know, as long as we're keeping it at the 30,000 foot level. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I did a little looking into that. I found out that didn't know this, but the devil is in the details is not that new of a phrase. Uh, and it's actually it's actually a, a, a riff, a takeoff on a much older phrase. And that phrase was, God is in the details. I didn't, I didn't know that. Devil, the devil's in the details is a, is a phrase I'm familiar with. 
But I did not know how new it was, I think 1960s actually, and, um, and, and that it's actually a riff off of a phrase that's much, much older, hundreds of years old, uh, which went, God is in the details, and he is in the details, no doubt about it. You know, as I said before, 35 years of talking with couples who are preparing for marriage, uh, 35 years of helping couples who are struggling in their marriage, 35 years of, of, of knowing people who have strong and good marriages. That's how I know that even strong marriages have struggles. Um, and all marriages, by the way, are a work in progress. Here's a couple of things making it really practical. I wanted today's talk to be to get right down to how do we do this kind of a thing. Here are a couple of things that you're going to need to know if you're going to submit to each other. Two things. There's more than two, but I'm going to give you two right now. You need to know how to listen to each other and you need to know how to forgive each other. Again, the 30,000 foot level looks super easy. Listening, got that, easy, I listen all day long. Uh, forgive, sure, I forgive you, move on, all right? As somebody who's been married a long time, uh, I can tell you, you gotta get out of the, you know, it's just as easy, I got that. You gotta get down into the details because this is where real life is lived out. It's a few things about listening well. Uh, when you are listened to well, and when your, your partner, your marriage partner, your spouse listens to you well, you know how you feel, right? You feel, you feel loved, you feel supported, you feel like you have a real partner, uh, and you feel encouraged, right? And, and, and you know that's how you feel, that's what you experience when, not just anyone, of course you, you can experience those things when your boss listens to you well, you know, your coworker listens to you well. But when your spouse, your marriage partner, uh, with whom you share this covenant, this unique bond of relationship, uh, when they listen to you well, wow, it's just like all of those things I just said times 100. But bad listening too often happens within the context of marriage. Sadly, of all the places where bad listening can take place, and there's a lot of places it can happen, it too often happens uh, in a marriage. What does bad listening look like? Bad listening looks like cutting someone off, cutting your spouse off before they can finish their sentence and starting to, and then you starting to give advice. Well, I think you ought to do that. This is what I would do if I was in your situation. You just give advice. You're not listening or interrupting or interrupting. You know, I, I, clearly they've not finished their thought, but you cut it off and you go off in a different direction or uh, offer advice. And that would be the third uh, thing that you can do uh, to be a bad listener is to just take things off topic. You know, your spouse is very focused on on this on her day, on his day, and this exchange with uh, another employee, a coworker. They're very focused on this issue, and you jump in, you interrupt, you cut off, and then you take it in a completely different direction. Bad listening. All right, those are bad listening things. Here's what good listening looks like. It's allowing your partner to finish. You know, one of the things that happens with spouses after they've been married for a little while is that they, they, they and sometimes you don't realize you're doing it, is they think they know what their partner is thinking. Well, I already know what you're going to say. I've heard you say this a hundred times. Uh, we've, had, we've had a version of this conversation, I don't know how many times, and, you know, click, off goes the listening ear, and they're just in another, they're just on another, you're just on another planet uh, while your, your partner keeps talking. You're not, you're not, 
you're not listening, all right? So allowing your partner to finish, staying engaged with, with your partner until they have finished their thought, all right? Or expressing the emotion, that's good listening. Um, setting aside your own agenda. You know? uh, and as uh, Stephen Covey said, uh, great rule of thumb, seeking first to understand before being understood. Giving our spouse the same courtesy that we would give anyone else, often, sadly, a total stranger, right? That we've met on the sidewalk as we were passing each other on, uh, after lunch. Um, making the effort to understand what you don't understand. Making the effort to understand what you don't understand. All right, just some things about listening because listening well is going to help us submit to each other. And uh, the second thing practically is healing the hurts. This comes from, uh, uh, this comes from, by the way, from the Alpha Marriage Prep Course, uh, the, the, the way they phrased it. I just took it right from the way, they, I like the way they phrased it. Because healing the hurts between you is going to, going to be key to how you submit to each other, how you respect each other, how you love each other. Because hurts are going to come. And offense is going to come. Your, your partner, if it hasn't happened already, it's going to hurt your feelings and, and make you mad. All right, so talk about the hurt. Talk about what has happened and how you were hurt. All right, say you're sorry. Yeah, actually say the words, I'm sorry. And then forgive each other. Would you forgive me? And then you say in response, I forgive you. You know, uh, submitting to one another uh, is, is a skill, actually. Uh, but it's a skill that begins with the heart, all right? Uh, it, it's a skill that begins with the heart. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Uh, if you know something about Becky and I, if you've ever talked to us uh, about, about our relationship, it's very likely that Becky has told you about our breakup. Uh, early in our marriage, not, no, not our marriage, I'm sorry, that would have been, early in our dating uh, relationship, uh, we actually broke up. We dated for four or five months, and then we, we ended the relationship, or to be perfectly honest here, I ended the relationship, and I broke up with Becky. There I said it, if she were here, she would, she'd, be, she'd tell you the story, but there I, I got it out there. Uh, and I broke up with Becky uh, when we were, we were dating each other. And um, just uh, a lot of immaturity on my part, and I know she would say the same thing here today on her part, a lot of growing up that needed to happen for both of us, um, and, and, uh, and heart change as we, as we considered who, who we were to each other. But I can say after those, with that month or two, whatever it was, that we were broken up, and, and really with the very real possibility of not getting back together again. It's not like we weren't taking a, a, a separation break. It was like, it's not trial period. It was, it's over, as, uh, is I, pretty much what I said. Okay, I'm sorry about it. Uh, you know, 41 years later, I, I've hung in there. I, I'm, I'm here, right? But, but then I did break up at that time. And, um, you know, for me, um, I remember coming out of that, uh, and I, here's, what I, here's what I knew. And I was just a very young man, but I, here's what I knew. You know, I want to be married. You know, I don't want to be a single guy. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to kind of live that life. And, you know, and there's really nothing wrong with that necessarily. And especially if you're called to being, to living the single life, 
If God has called you to do that, pursue that. Um, or if there's a season uh, where you're going to live as a single person and embrace it, it wonderful. All right, but I knew that I wanted to be a married person and I, I knew that I'd resolve that. But even more importantly, not only did I know I wanted to be married, I knew I want to be married to Becky. I want to, I want to be married to you. Uh, I, I knew that. What I knew, and, and, and although I maybe couldn't have put it in these exact words, but what I was willing to do was to submit myself to her as my marriage partner, as my wife. And to do that freely, not because I was being forced into it or not because I was being tricked into it or I was being pushed or squeezed in some crazy whatever way. As an act of my will, I want to be married. I want to be married to you. And I am willingly and freely offering to submit myself to you and to put your interests you know, to, uh, ahead of my own and to, to, to live in that kind of relationship as we submit to each other. And this is something we have to settle in our hearts and we have to settle in our spirit. Because I can tell you, again, as someone who's been married for 41 years, you're going to have to make that decision more than once. I want to be married, I want to be married to you, and I willingly and freely submit myself to you. That wasn't just a one-time thing, that's something we all do over and over again. I like Proverbs 4.23, I think it really applies here. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. From your heart, you are married. From your heart, you commit to another and submit to another. And out of this, out of this heart experience, flows the married life that you desire. Wives submitting to their husbands was common practice in Paul's day. It wasn't unusual to hear, because you know there were other household codes, by the way, in the first century. Just there, there are other teaching now on what it's like for husbands and wives to relate to each other. In Paul's day, husbands and wives, or wives submitting to their husbands was a common thing. You, you could hear or read it anywhere. But, but what is really radical from Christianity and from the God's word is that husbands would also be submitted to their wives and that husbands and wives would be submitted to each other. God was calling them as he's calling us to a higher standard. Husbands, do whatever you feel like, you know, whatever. You know. Wives, you, you'll be submitted to your husbands. God is calling men and women in the kingdom of God to a higher standard and in marriage to be submitted to each other. All Christians are to submit to one another. In marriage, this mutual submission will take a husband and a wife. In the marriage context, this mutual submission will take a husband and a wife to a level of intimacy unlike anything else, unlike any other human experience that you're going to have. Without making an idol out of marriage, uh, submitting to your husband, submitting to your wife, brings the two of you into a level of intimacy and a bond and a unity of oneness, unlike anything that you are going to experience in this lifetime. Marriage itself is an expression of discipleship. We come together. It's one way that God uses, not the only way, but one way that God uses to cause us to grow in 
him. Let's give thanks for each other. Let's give thanks for our wives if we are married. Let's give thanks for our husbands if we are married. Let's give thanks for our future husband and our future wife uh, as God is leading and providing. He is able. Let us love one another. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, as we begin this series. Uh, we open up ourselves to hear from you, of course, as you speak wisdom uh, out of your word uh, into our key relationships, submitting to each other in the different places where we relate to each other in the body of Christ, but especially as husbands and wives or as future wives or future husbands-to-be. So Father, we open up our heart to have a spirit conviction and heart change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.